Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. This is What Do You Know About That? A radio show about anything and everything happening in our community, our city, and our world. Here are your hosts, Eric Gershnow and Mary Angela Saavedra. Everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, hello. I'm Mary Angela. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? How's it going, Mary Angela? I'm doing well. And yourself? Um, you know, can't complain. Happy Thursday. Thursday's little Friday. Happy Thursday. And we're well into February now, so yay. That means spring's coming, although did you hear the groundhog did not see his shadow. Yay, more winter. Hooray. Six more weeks of winter. What is winter. that little rodent now? He doesn't know anything anyway. <laughs> It's unfortunate that he did not see his shadow, but it's okay. At least I know six more weeks, I can handle it. So um, how are things? Things are good. Some interesting things popping up on the radar here this week. Yeah, well, are you going to tell us about what's happening this day in science first? This day <laughs> in science. Well, you know, I thought actually, um, since we are in February, and this is African American History Month, though really every month is African-American History Month. But born this day in 1913 is James Edward Maceo West, who was a black American physicist, acoustical engineer, and inventor who developed the electret, electret transducer technology and applied it to co-invent the foil electret microphone. So because of the benefits of its low-cost, high-sensitivity, and compact form, this type of microphone now predominates in most applications. So if you consider, like, your old handheld telephones, they would have an electret microphone in them. So uh, his career took shape while he was still a physics undergraduate. After summers as an intern with Bell Labs Acoustic Research Department, he was given a full-time position after graduation in 1957. And so from 1960 to 62, he worked with Gerard Sessler to perfect the electric microphone. And by 1968, was in mass production. So his name is on more than 250 patents. Uh, and this type of microphone, again, is widely used in things like, again, telephones, camcorders, and hearing aids. Oh, so interesting wow, that's science super important. Fact. No Yay, doubt, right? Right. So glad he was born. Yeah, no doubt. This day in science. <laughs> this day in science. Well, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, indeed. Well, what so, did you want to talk about that's happening in the neighborhood? What do I want to talk about that's happening in the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Well, um... I guess one of the things, just to mention briefly for our listeners, uh, for those who are familiar with WB Saul or have happen to have kids that go to school at WB Saul, they are now selling their cheese. Cheese made at WB Saul. It's being sold at TNF Farmers Pride, which is right on Ridge Avenue. I guess it's still technically Roxborough, but I just happened to see a little blurb about that. So for th- folks who want to support WB Saul, you can go out and purchase their cheese. So it looks like there's a, a variety of different types of cheeses that you can find at TNF Farmer's Pride. And just to mention briefly, this came up in my news feed. I mean, everyone's quite familiar with construction that's going on in the neighborhood. It's all throughout the city. In a given day, you're going to drive down the street and you're going to run into some construction. But most notably on Morton Street here in Germantown, and it was funny because the newscaster said it's like the mini Schuylkill Expressway in Germantown, but this street has, there's some construction work going on it, but it's 
I, I believe, a one-way street, or traffic is supposed to go only in one particular direction, but because of this construction going on, people have been breaking the rules, driving against <laughs> the, the oh, traffic no. signs here, and... It's caused quite a bit of a stir because not not only are folks, of course, breaking traffic laws, but it's caused some accidents, apparently. And it was funny because I'm watching the newscast and while they're talking to someone, a neighbor who lives right on the street, there was someone driving in the opposite direction against the traffic signs. So, um, so people are like seeing signs that are like one way, don't go this way. And they're like, nah, I'm gonna go this way. Well, yeah, you know, it's, just, oh, it's Philly. you know, Philadelphia traffic <laughs> signs are optional, right? right. It's a suggestion. We suggest <laughs> right. that you like, don't go like this like way. Like stop signs. <laughs> it's just a suggestion. You might, maybe you want to stop. No. Okay. Well, hopefully nobody's getting seriously hurt. Yeah, no, I hope not. I, I think, uh, if anything, there have been a few folks who've uh, driven into some of their cars. But, Oof. you know, I, I don't think anyone's actually been uh, legit hurt as a result of that. Well, that's good. How uh, long is the construction expected to be going? Uh, you know, <laughs> forever. I have no idea. Yeah. TBD. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They'll give you a date and then maybe attack on six months. Well, if you year. have to go well, somewhere in Germantown, avoid Morton Street. Avoid Morton Street at all costs. I'm still waiting for, um, is it Cresham Valley to open back up? That's yeah, going to be not a while. happening. That's years. That's the water department. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it was slated for a three-year project, so. All my shortcuts. Yep. I'm being thwarted. The other thing I, I guess I wanted to mention, a little fun factoid here, because we just recently picked up some Girl Scout cookies. Thank you, Joanna. Uh, for everyone who's a, a big fan of Girl Scout cookies, uh, the Girl Scouts are actively selling. And we just got our boxes uh, the other week. And we were talking about this because we were ripping into a box of those lovely caramel delights. And uh, I'm sure you remember as a kid growing up, they were called S Samoas. And I was like, why? Why why did the name change? Cuz there's this 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 urban legend. My understanding was that it was had had something racist, yeah. yeah, right? That Samoan was was a racist term cuz you're know, referring to people from Hawaii and it's got coconut in the cookie, whatever. I I didn't really know exactly what the issue was, but apparently it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. So, I found this really interesting blog. It's intellectual property blog. Uh it was written by an attorney as talking about the difference between Caramel Delights and Samoa. So it's actually in the name. It has to do with trademarks. So when the Girl Scouts were first selling these cookies, you know, they're not making them. They are contracting bakeries to, to produce these cookies, right? Mm -hmm. So you can imagine over time as the Girl Scouts started to become larger and the, the, the market base that they're selling cookies to thus becomes larger. They had to expand their capacity, and the way they do that is by pulling in other bakers. So apparently the, the, the name Samoas was actually trademarked by one of these small bakeries back in the early 80s. And what that means is, is that any other bakery that's going to make these cookies, they would have to basically license the name, if they're trying to sell them oh. under that name from this bakery. The problem was the bakery wasn't willing to do that. They're like, no, sure. no, sorry. Yeah, right. These no, are trademarks. These, these, these are, are cookies. Samoas. Yeah, yeah. So Caramel Delights really is a cookie made by another baker. Now, they're not exactly the same, apparently. So there's very subtle differences between a Caramel Delight and a Samoa. Like what? Uh, don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it has to do with the way these cookies are made. So the, uh. the, it doesn't, the patent doesn't really go 
go explicitly into the the main differences. I think it's the way that the, the cookie, the shape, the exact shape of the cookies are slightly different. And I think the way the, the direction of the stripes is a little different. So there's enough disparity between these cookies that they're not infringing on the trademark uh, or or the, I, I guess, it, I don't know if it, they're patented or not. Sure. Uh, so depending really where you live in the United States, you might get a Caramel Delight or you might get a Samoa, depending on the bakery that's making them. So, wow. Interesting little factoid. Thank you. That's that. I did not know that. Yeah, now you do. Uh-huh. The other uh, thing that, that came up on my radar has, has been going on for a few weeks now, actually. Um, it was brought up in the neighborhood group probably just after the new year, and I've been following it for a while because I wanted to see like how in-depth the conversation got. Mm-hmm. And uh, as of today, there's 115 responses. Wow. Um, so it, you know, every day a couple more responses come in because people just keep revisiting this topic. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but California... And Washington uh, banned gas-powered leaf blowers this fall. Right. They, uh, in their November elections or whatever, they decided uh, they passed a ban on gas-powered leaf blowers. What do they got against leaf blowers? Well, so then somebody brought up in our group here, do we think Philadelphia should follow suit? Do we think, you know, Pennsylvania should consider that? Mm-hmm. And um, it sparked a lot of discussion because there were a lot of people really on on both sides of this so you know the 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 discussion leans toward noise and that we, would be the big one for me yeah so we we talked about that with that you know noise ordinance that's out now right you can't have something that's louder than was it like a certain number of decibels right and it seemed like it was specifically directed towards motorists but Correct. you know it uh, you know, makes you wonder well right could you cast a broader net here i mean and as you may or may not have noticed people who use gas-powered leaf blowers have ear protection so they're loud they're definitely loud mm-hmm. um so that that's a concern but then it was like well you know if there's some rules about when you can and can't leaf blow then that's probably okay so then other people are like but what about emissions because i don't know when the last time you walked past a person blowing leaves but <laughs> it smells pretty awful like it's exhaust it's like it's basically I like try not you know, to get too close to the leaf blower sure but sometimes you're walking down the street and somebody is blowing leaves, <laughs> blowing leaves like you and, do and you can smell it or you know they have to they turn it off when they walk past you but the motor's still going right they're not actively blowing anything but the motor's still there anyway, i would say that's that's probably on the low or the bottom of the the list of grievances no no there were a lot of people who said um when they walk their dogs in the morning and they're walking by and it just reeks of exhaust and gas and fumes and they feel sick to their stomach so like i mean i get it there is exhaust involved those are the same people who who don't pick up their dogs poo maybe i don't know know. (laughs) i don't know i'm not passing any judgment i'm just saying that's what was being discussed right so it was more of a like, you know, yeah, I'd be in support of this. Other people would be like, no, I wouldn't be in a support of this. I have a huge yard and I can't possibly rake my yard. I have to leaf blow. And I do understand that here in the city, you know, if you rake your leaves up, they'll come along with the big, well, yeah, you, know, you got to pull your leaves to the curb and then I'll suck them up. Yep. The city will come by. That's right. Right. But I mean, Make you know, mulch. we also know that that's not always well, timely. It's not always timely. <laughs> right. right? It's. Um, Wait so, till a big rainstorm comes and then turns them all mush. Yeah. Also, it is a good idea to not rake your yard completely because you want to leave some leaves to 
decompose over the winter because that's fertilizer for your beautiful yard so that it will grow back bigger and better um, in the spring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's there. There's no answer yet. The conversation is still going on. As I mentioned, there's already, you know, still about 115 responses so far and people are still chiming Well, this is in. just talking in the community, right? Correct. Um, about like, should we or shouldn't we? Huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't love being woken up by someone landscaping. I'm personally not a fan. I mean, if you want to put like a time restriction on it, I would definitely say nothing earlier than like nine o'clock. I'm sorry. I don't want to be woken up at seven o'clock in the morning with a leaf blower. Yeah. No, thanks. Well, and like, how do you, I guess, enforce that? Yeah, I don't but, know. But, you know. I don't know. We're not there. So it's just people talking about the leaf blowers. Correct. And I guess what would the option be if you got rid of gas? Because it's gas powered, right? So is there such a thing as a electric, an electric leaf, leaf blower? blower? I don't know, but you probably really need a long extension cord for that one. Yeah. Uh, but either way, when you're blowing air, I would imagine it's it would be still loud, even if you had an yeah. electric one. And yeah. the frequency of, I guess, whatever the fan or motor that they're using would would be high enough that it, would, it might still be considered uh like noise pollution you know the decibels would still be up there but you know i don't know i'm not really too hip to what's in the market from the electric leaf blower side (laughs) well that's something to look into Um, yeah right but hey listeners why don't you weigh in and tell us what you think should we have a a a, what is it gas-powered leaf blower ban in philadelphia would that be something you'd be interested in shoot us an email at what do you know gtown at gmail.com or hit us up on instagram or facebook at what do you know about that that's right back in my day we used a rake and we liked it <laughs> all right well uh you ready to move into our our main topic of the week uh yeah sure what's what is our main topic for the week I'm glad you asked. We are talking this week about scams, because you mentioned in our last episode that we should do a whole episode about scams. And since I love a good scam, I mean, I like talking about it and warning people about them. I like watching Uh, documentaries about scams. I do. (laughs) Um, I thought we'd talk about scams. So uh, that's what we're talking about. And there are We be scamming? (laughs) No. Oh, come on. There are lots and lots of kinds of scams. And so I want to talk about them and talk about some ways you can protect yourself from them. And some you may have heard of before and some you may not have and they might be completely new to you. So uh, so you're going to break down the different types into categories? A little bit, yeah. So the first one I wanted to talk about was romance scams. If I romance said romance scams. scams, what would you think that included? I don't know. It sounds like it would make for a tasty story for like a movie or something. But like I I would imagine a romance scam would probably start with a personal ad and you meet someone and and they go gaga and fall in love with you and then they start asking for money. (laughs) That's I mean, that that, that's not far off. But yes. So in this great digital age, right, we meet people, particularly during a pandemic, uh, more virtually than in real life, right? And even prior to the pandemic, we were doing this. You know, there's all these dating apps. There's all this stuff where you get a message Everything's first. Everything's going digital. Yeah, I mean, so romance scams to come from that doesn't surprise me too much, you know, where it's like, yeah, some people are going to represent as people that they're not, of course, right? Well, um, that's just like people on dating websites, period, right? They take the They take a picture of themselves at just the right angle. And then when you actually get to see them, you're like, oh, I see. 
Sure. I mean, but this is a little bigger than that. This this is, as you mentioned, (laughs) developing a relationship with someone. So this would be what I would consider a long scam, right? This isn't something you can just do in like This is a major investment of time. This is time to build a relationship, to get, you know, rapport going. And then, as you mentioned, get someone's trust and then ask them for money or ask them to do something that you wouldn't normally have done. So there was a nice definition that I found. A romance scam is a confidence trick involving feigning romantic intentions toward a victim, gaining their affection, and then using that goodwill to get the victim to send money to the scammer under false pretenses or to commit fraud. So meaning like getting this person to like, oh, well, I really need your help. My brother-in-law is in jail and he really needs like help, but please, I don't know what to do. I'm so lost. And because you're in a relationship with this person now, you think, oh, I want to help. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you're my partner. We're in this together. Another one is when you find out the person isn't in this country. I would love to see you in person, but I don't (sighs) live here. I live... You know, overseas, I'm in a terrible marriage. I've been trying to get out for years, but I don't have any way of getting to America. Can you help me? <laughs> Can you get me a ticket and help me get a green card? And you know, I'm in like, Algeria. Right. <laughs> yeah. I really love you. The uh, the the romance scams have been around for a very very long time. Oh yeah, as no long doubt. As the internet. And I, and I'm wondering, like, do romance scams? Is there like a particular demographic? I mean, I think oftentimes. Folks who are much older are probably likely targets, but is it more like, do you see more often that the scammers are women or are they men or is it evenly split? Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, no, nothing that I read said anything hmm. about that. That is an interesting question. But just a couple red flags to keep in mind mm-hmm. um, that would be the the tip that it is a how romance to prevent scam. yourself from being scammed. Right. If they're far, far away, obviously. If their profile seems too good to be true. If the relationship it. moves fast. If they break promises to visit. If they claim they need money, or if they ask for specific kinds of payment methods, like, oh yeah, I'd totally be willing to help. Can I, you know, send you a check or whatever? No, actually if you could buy a gift card <laughs> and send it, something's up. So those are just some of, of the romance scams. Another kind of scam is something you may have heard of, malware. Do you know what malware is? Yes, I am familiar with malware. What is malware? Well, mal means bad. <laughs> mal bad. But basically it's software that you unintentionally download to your computer by clicking on a link usually sent in an email and that initiates either some kind of virus that corrupts your computer or could potentially hold your data hostage and you have to pay a ransom to get it back. Yeah, and that kind of malware of which you're speaking of is is very much what's happening in the corporate world, right? I mean, yes. that, that's what businesses and and companies are, are, are finding, falling victim to. But the average consumer, right, the regular guy, the regular yep. Joe, is falling victim to malware that is a little bit different. So the definition I have here is malware is any software intentionally designed to cause disruption to a computer, server, client, or computer network. Leak private information, gain unauthorized access to information or systems, deprive users of access or information, or which unknowingly interferes 
with the user's computer security and privacy. Okay, so I mentioned the 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 corporate scenario where they're holding their data hostage. So mm -hmm. what, what does that really translate to, though, for the average Joe? Yeah. So one type of malware is spyware that collects user activity data without their knowledge, right? So that's spyware is coming in and being like, you went to Target website three times last week. So I know that if I was to sell this data on the dark web to somebody who now wants to present themselves as a representative of Target, you would probably fall victim to that. You want to sweepstakes at Target, fill out this form and see what I mean? The data can be used that way. So it's almost like they're stealing data to, to market to you? Not market to you. Sell it on the dark web to scammers, uh, right? Because another big scam on the web, which we'll talk about, is about when you go to a website that's redirected. It's You think you're going to Target. It looks like Target. Yep. But when you look at the web address, it doesn't say Target.com. It has Target in it, but it's not Target.com. It's not the official legit website. Correct. But why yep. you might be susceptible to that is because spyware has already gathered that you like to go to Target.com. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, great. And somebody on the dark web goes, a scammer goes, okay, I need to know all the people who like to go to target.com. And they buy this data and they get your data. And then now you get spam emails from somebody that you think is Target. And it's like, hey, you've won a $50 gift certificate to Target for being awesome and coming to Target so much. So click on here. And it's not. That's not it. You lose your money that way. So that's like a doorway to other scams. There's adware. We've all seen this, right? The unwanted pop-up ads. Yes. Right. And they hide. They get they piggyback adware piggybacks on other things. If you click on a site that's populated with adware and then all of a sudden you've closed that window, you're no longer on that site. And then 20 minutes later, an ad pops up and you're like, where in the heck did this come from? And you'll find it deep in the bowels of your computer. It's planted itself there, right? Malware. It's done that. There's also Trojans. They disguise itself as a desirable code, which basically means it looks, a Trojan looks like something else you would need to download. Okay. Um, like it, maybe it's like viral protection software or something. Sure. Or like like PDF reader, right? Like, right. okay, you need to open this PDF, you need to download this PDF reader. And so it looks like code that you'd actually need, but it isn't. It goes in there and then that has opened a door that somebody else can access to get to your information. Um, and then there are worms. This a worm spreads through the network by replicating itself. And worms... Ew. Worms would collect data or they would mess up the system, right? They could, you know, cause your computer to malfunction, meaning then you'd have to go buy new software, take it to be repaired. And you got to worry about dry rot. And, I'm sorry, different thing. <laughs> different um. kind of worm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so malware is pretty nefarious. And there are a lot of ways to protect yourself from it. There's a lot of different softwares out there. Norton has a lot of really great malware, anti-malware software. Um, it is worth getting a malware scanner put on your computer because it'll check it. You know, you can set it to automatically check like once a week or something or you can do it manually is what I used to do at my job, but it will detect any suspicious code in your computer. It will detect any suspicious files and it'll be like, hey, this is weird and doesn't come from a recognized website and this is weird. Do you want to delete it? And you're like, yes, because... I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't go deep down into my computer to see all the little folders that pop up and hide places from the last thing I downloaded or whatever. Like it's Well, and I think just generally speaking, most people don't, right? Yeah. And I think that's what the scammers rely on because not everyone is a computer engineer or a software engineer. Yeah, I, I, I think that the average consumer generally is probably not as educated. 
yeah, about no. those kind of things. So yeah, do yourself a favor. If you don't already have a malware scanner on your computer, you probably should get one. Um, it cannot hurt. It definitely helps. So, Or if that. you know how to purge unwanted files from your computer, you know. Yeah, but that's I mean, a lot of work. <laughs> they're sneaky. Those Trojans, in particular, <laughs> you it would look like something you needed. Uh, anyway, another kind of scam is employment scams. So, as a person who was, you know, on the job hunt a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I was looking at job postings very closely and from a lot of different angles. I was using Indeed. I was using LinkedIn. I was using craigslist (laughs) you know just kind of checking things out everywhere and uh, you really got to watch out for those employment scams and one of the big signs of an employment scam is uh, a vague description of the actual workload like not really being able to describe in detail what exactly you'd be doing in this job so can you set it up for me first what exactly when you say a work scam so what? an employment scam, there's a job listing and you read it and it's like, but make $1,000 a week from it's home. Bogus. Right. It is. It's, it's not okay. a real job. And it's, you know, make, make, make a thousand bucks a week from home. Easy work. Okay. What easy work? What am I doing? And then when you go to apply, they want you to pay an application fee or they want to do a credit check on you when you apply. And that is absolutely not what Red a flag. job would do. Right. It's yeah. weird. Right. I mean, some jobs require criminal background checks, right? But that happens after you've, you know, you're in kind of the final stages. You've applied, you've interviewed, they want to hire you. Now it's pending a reference check and a criminal background check. And that's something you do. You don't pay your employer to do that for you. They might reimburse you for it, but it's not something that you pay them to do right and no job should ever ask you for an application fee oh it's like an administrative application fee no it's a job (laughs) you know like you know what this reminds me of we were talking about this because you mentioned a show you were watching about pyramid schemes right exactly and that sounds a pyramid scheme is pretty much that it's it's a scam i mean it is they are it's why they, they they teeter very like delicately on on that line you know they call themselves a direct marketing uh sales company that's basically how they sort of protect themselves from it but the truth is yeah pyramid scheme anybody can join in order to join you have to buy your merchandise right which is buying in your money but what makes a pyramid scheme a pyramid scheme is that you're not really making money from selling the products you're making money recruiting other people to sell underneath you that's a pyramid scheme and employment scams aren't quite that employment scams are just flat out not real jobs (laughs) <laughs> they're, right. they're just not real jobs and they're just taking your your information you should never have to put your social security number on a job application i believe we need your uh, bank account and routing number right just just to make sure you're legit and all of that's after you've been hired and after you've had an interview process like if, if there's no interview if it's a like just sign up and give us this money and the job is yours no not a real job yeah so now, the only time out. i ever had to actually have a credit check run for a job was when i went to work for a company where the bulk of my work was based in travel and I had to expense those travel expenses to, to be paid by the company. So in that case, I had to actually get a credit card through my company just for that purpose. But Right, but that was after you got hired, right? That wasn't in the interview process, was it? No, that was right. that was not before, not after I actually spoke to a human being face to face. Right, right. Watch, watch out for watch that. Watch out for those. Watch out for that. 
Um, other ones to watch out for every 10 years, you got to watch out for census fraud. Remember that the census is never going to ask for pr- personal information. Mm-hmm. They want to know where you live, how old you are, are you male, are you female, what your ethnicity is, those kind of things. That's not sensitive information. They're not going to ask for your social security number. They're not going to ask for your phone number. They're not going to ask per- personal things, your birthday. <laughs> that's not what the census does. So watch out for that. I mean, we just had a census two years ago, so mm-hmm. we got about eight years before the next one. But just heads up, census-related frauds and Now, a, cen- a census scam, that would be like a face-to-face kind of thing, right? That would be someone showing up at your door? Not always, because there's so many ways to collect census information. There are mm-hmm. links. I mean, you could do everything in the census last time online. So you just have to watch out. Like, you just, you know, again, if you're starting to do this and they're asking for personal information, the census is not about personal information. It's about demographic information. Right. Right. So that you can have proper representation in the government. And so the city accounts for, we have this many people living here now and they're, you know, majorly women or majorly men or of this ethnicity or whatever the case may be. That's what a census does. It has no need for personal information. So, you know, if it starts going down a personal rabbit hole, not the census. Right. Red flag. Ding, ding, ding. Personal information. Don't Um, share it. Same thing with government grant scams. You know, you could have free money. The government's got $100,000 to give away. Just fill out all your personal information and your social security number and you too can get in on some of this money. No. No. <laughs> Governments, uh, government grants don't come to you. If you need a government grant, you have done some research and you have found it and the application is legit. They're not going to find you. Watch out for that. Same Nothing thing. comes easy. Right. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Same thing with lottery and sweepstakes scams. If you know when you played the lottery and they're not going to email you. And they're not going to call you. You won the lottery. Really? I don't even remember playing. No, you were just automatically entered. No. Not how it happens. Mm -hmm. So watch out for that. Charity scams, same thing. Um, You really should never give your credit card information over the phone. If somebody calls and is like, please donate to the Fraternal Order of Police, that's great if you want to support the police. Give me an address. I'll send a check. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can do the research and look and see if that's legit, whatever address they gave you, et cetera, so forth. So some important terms to remember are phishing. Phishing is a cyber crime in which targets are contacted by someone posing as a legitimate institution to lure individuals into providing sensitive data. So that's what I was talking about. You really right. shouldn't be so, providing sensitive data. Exactly. And and from my training at work because we get every year uh, we review these topics because like you were mentioning about malware that that corporations are huge targets um, for cyber attacks hijacking intellectual property and holding it for ransom so I'm sure any other person who works for a large company is probably getting cyber training on on how to avoid phishing Mm -hmm. but the big ones have to do with the the emails in particular that you get. They are designed to look official. They'll usually have elements that you may find, say, from um, an official institution. Like sometimes I've gotten emails from my bank, and they'll have uh, certain elements, but you have to pay very close attention to make sure that there's the actual seal. Usually they won't send links to the website. If it's a legit email, they won't have a link to the website. You have to really pay attention though, because they're they're pretty crafty. But like you were saying, poor if, if it's written in poor English, that's usually uh, another tell. Like mm-hmm. if, if it looks like it was written by a child, then mm-hmm. chances are it's, it's probably fake. 
Yeah, but they're getting pretty crafty these days. So mm-hmm. just some practical strategies for increasing your personal internet safety, just as like a good rule of thumb. Remember, if you're online shopping, to always double check the URL. If you think the website is suspicious, look at that URL. If it looks like Target, but doesn't begin with target.com backslash something else, it's not Target. Yep. Right. Um, Payment method. Paying with a credit card versus a debit card online is actually the better way to do it because if a dispute needs to happen, it's going to be resolved faster if you put it on a credit card as opposed to if you debited it directly out of your account because that's real money gone out of your account. Moving in real time, whereas a credit purchase, it's... It has to. It takes several days to go through. Right, and then read the fine print. Some deals are not deals, but are scams. Check what you're actually signing up for when you sign up for those free trials, because a lot of times it's like sign up for this free trial. You have to set in enter your information, but you will not be charged. You will not be charged. But the fine print says. After two days, you will be charged and you're committed to paying this charge for the next six months. Otherwise, you pay an exit fee to to you know terminate your trial or whatever or terminate the program so read that fine print it gets a little bit tricky um also if you're you know doing passwords some quick passwords do's and don'ts um always use different passwords for different accounts include a variety of numbers symbols uppercase and lowercase letters in your passwords make sure your passwords are at least 10 characters long and change your passwords frequently approximately every three months is what they recommend mm. um just to help and don't track passwords in a place close to your devices or on your computer. You, yeah, so don't store your passwords digitally right, on the device on the that device you're, that you're using. To... Right. Don't use repeat passwords for multiple accounts. Use yes. familiar names. Don't use familiar names, phone numbers, dates, common phases, or numbers. Things that people could easily guess. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's a big one. So the last kind of scam that I want to talk about is telephone scams. Telephone scams are you know a little easier to see right now because we all have these spam blockers on our phones or these things like my phone now it just comes up with the identifier potential spam so it's like great i'm not answering that let it go to voicemail mm-hmm. what's the most common telephone scam that you re- recall getting lately well i get garbage calls all the time aside from updating the warranty on my vehicle uh, which I'm sure a lot of people can empathize with. It's usually just like random surveys or, hey, you, you, you're you eligible to win this or that. But there was one that I actually walked into because I was having some issue with my computer and I needed to speak directly to someone from Apple to address it. And I just quick did a Google search just to pull like a uh, a customer service number. Well, apparently... I pulled it from a Apple-like site, so uh, I I wasn't paying clear enough attention to it, and I lifted this number, and I called it, and I spoke to a gentleman who was trying to get me to basically share the screen from my phone and was suggesting to go to my bank account to confirm that he had sent some, some deposits to my bank account. I'm like, this has nothing to do with Apple customer support. And it was clearly a scam. But what was very unique about the call, and I think this is the telltale that you're being scammed over the phone. When I spoke to the gentleman, he immediately had this urgency in his voice. Like, I need you to do this. I need you to do this now. And you got to watch out for that because when someone talks to you like that, just human nature, you all of a sudden, your anxiety level 
jumps up a few notches. You're now in this mode where you're concerned, you're worried because of the tone in this person's voice. And so you're a little more likely to kind of go along with the flow. Sure, which actually feeds right into my story of how I got scammed. So that was a case where you actually found a number that was advertised. Um, and that's something that definitely people should watch out for. If you Google something, the first three posts, maybe even four that come up are going to be ads. They're going to be advertisements. Yep. And so this was a company that was advertising for Apple support. And you clicked on it and found the number and then called. And that is definitely how they get you. You called them, right? Yep. But in my case, they called me. Somebody called me and left a message saying that they were from the Social Security Department and that my Social Security number... Um, was being used by someone in Texas and that I needed to call, like for identity theft is what they were saying, and that I needed to call immediately. So I called immediately because why wouldn't you? And <laughs> right? I mean, you know, call immediately. So I did. And the person on the other line was like, oh, thank goodness that you called because we've been trying to reach you. And I'm oh. like, really? You called one time. That doesn't really seem like trying to reach me. But as you just mentioned, it was a sense of urgency. It was like, this is very important. I'm so glad that you called us back. Here's the situation. Can you please confirm your name? Well, without them even saying who my name was, I just automatically am like Mary Angela Saavedra. And they're like, yes, thank you, Mary Angela Saavedra. You know, can you please confirm your social security number? And I was like, no, you're the social security department. You can do that. And they were like, okay. So then they said, you know, here, let us tell you what's happening. Are you currently in Texas? No, I am not currently in Texas. And they were like, you know, well, someone in Texas has, you know, with your social security number has been committing drug trafficking like you know and and we're you know they're right they're wanted they're wanted for drug trafficking and they're using your name and your social security number and i'm like oh my gosh like that's awful like what do i do like (sighs) how do i do this and they're like well you can either go to texas and sign an affidavit in person saying that it's not you and that you know this person's using your information fraudulently prove that your information is correct or you can give us five thousand dollars to have a lawyer represent you in person in texas while you stay comfortably in your own home now mind you this is like right at the height of the pandemic when this happened this was like may of 2020 when this happened to me and i was like whoa there has to be another way you know i file my taxes From here, like you all know where I live, you have my address, you know I'm not in Texas, there's a pandemic, this is clearly not me. And the more I protested, the more urgent this person became, Mm -hmm. and then started threatening me, do do you want to go to jail? The DEA can come to your house and arrest you for this, because as far as they know, it's you, you know, this is your name, this is your social security number. You're like, let them come and get me. Right, I was like, none of this (laughs) seems right. And at that point, I really realized that this was fake, right? Spam. It hit me. And I was like, this is spam. this is spam. So I, I humored this person and I kept basically kind of going a little further down the rabbit hole and took notes to write down what was happening so I could share my experience. But I was very guarded. Anytime he'd ask for something really personal, I'd be like, you're the Social Security Department. You have this information. 
you can get it. They're like, ma'am, you really need to do this. I don't know why you're being difficult. I'm trying to help you. And I understand, but you are who you are, so you don't need this information. And then finally, he got very, very pushy, said I could lose my children. So yeah. I was like, oh, you think I have children? You definitely don't work for the, <laughs> for the Social Security Department if you're unaware. Um, you could lose the whole trailer. Right. You know, your job, you could go to jail, you could go to prison, all these things. And I was like, oh, I'm not worried about that. That's not going to happen because this is clearly a spam. This is clearly a joke. And I'm going to report you. And then I hung up. And I went to the Social Security website. Social Security has a website and you can click on report a fraud. And there's a whole comprehensive form that you fill out where they ask the name of the person that called. They asked for the phone number, which I had on my phone. They asked for details of how the call went, kind of, you know, what it was. And I was like saying my social security number was being used in Texas, Mm -hmm. saying I was going to go to prison. I detailed out everything I could and then I submitted it. And that's really what the cornerstone of scams are because we had a person who works for the FBI in their cybersecurity department. And she said very point blank that there just aren't enough people to really crack down on scammers. There's so much scamming that goes on. Right. That she's like, it's impossible. So they really rely on people reporting things as much as they can because then they can collect as much data as they can and try to stay that step ahead. But it's, it's, really, really hard. So just as a reminder, there are some organizations for resources and places to report fraud for scams. The Better Business Bureau is a great place to report those things. U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, um, North American Securities Administration Association, the Federal Trade Commission. Those are all great places to report things to. You can always register your phone number with the National Do Not Call Registry. It doesn't necessarily stop the calls. It's not a magic registry to keep calls from coming, but what it will do is it will help your phone identify that it's potential spam. It will also at least weed out some of them. (laughs) So you're not getting as many. And then finally, just remember, as I mentioned before, to have an antivirus software installed on your computer, run it regularly, run it on a regular basis. And remember to follow the guideline when in doubt, throw it out. If you're unsure about a message, a piece of mail, an email, send it to spam, delete it, don't click on any videos. If a friend sends you an email and is like, hey, look at this cool video I just found, what that is is a phishing email. And this is just another little tip for folks out there. When you log into any online account, whether it be your email or an account that you have with an institution, be sure that you log out before you just click and close out of the web browser. Uh, A good friend of mine who has had her email hacked numerous times, most recently, and I had to ask her, I said, do do you log out of your email? She goes, yeah, I just just close the browser on my laptop. Like, no, you need to log out because if you leave your account open – just close the web browser doesn't close your account people can still access it and hack into your account yep yep that's a good tip well that's all i have about scams for today no this is great hopefully uh, our listeners are a little bit wiser for the wear so just if if it looks slightly suspicious just leave it alone when Don't, in doubt throw it out when in doubt throw it out yeah there you go i like that one all right and if you have any tips or stories you'd like to share about this or if you have any stories that you'd like us to cover on a future episode, please send us an email at what do you know gtown at gmail.com. 
gmail.com or message us on Instagram or Facebook at what do you know about that? Excellent. Well, we're going to take a little short break here and then we're going to come right back with our segment, uh, Who Are the Musicians in Your Neighborhood, featuring Mr. TJ McGlinchey. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to 92.9 FM G-Town Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening uh, and tuning in. Uh, welcome back. We're going to transition into our segment, Who Are the Musicians in Our Neighborhood? And today we have our featured musician, Mr. TJ McGlinchey. Hello. Hi, G-Town. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us. It, it's a pleasure to be here. Mary Angela and Eric, thank, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is totally awesome. So I, I'm particularly thrilled to have you as a guest only because I've, I've had the, the pleasure of seeing and performing with you at a number of different venues. You're not Many only uh, quite talented, but also you're, you are also uh, an MC of sorts. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I'm a Philadelphia-based composer and songwriter. An educator. I teach music, uh, and I write music. That's that's my that's my mission in life. Um, and then performing on top of that, but mostly teaching and writing is is my, my specialty. And then I'm a singer songwriter performer guy. <laughs> after that. So how long have you been actively performing? Since about 2010. 2009, 2010, I started playing like open mics, like out in uh, in Ardmore at the McGillicuddy's out there. They had a nice jam. Right, right. Yeah. Were you always knew you wanted to be a musician? Like, oh, yeah. Age? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been taking piano lessons since I was like 10, 11, you know, nice. uh, tuning my dad's guitars and stuff when I, you know, as soon as I could and just borrowing them. <laughs> So do you play like everything? What do you play? Like this? Um, my specialty is keys and strings and voice. Nice. Uh, but I also play contrabass and bass guitar and ukulele. Uh, anything with strings and keys, basically, I can do. Uh, you don't want to hear me play a trumpet. I can play a saxophone. I can tell you how to play those things. Yeah. But you don't want to hear me do it. And you don't want me to be your drummer either because I, I can keep a beat on, on my instruments, but I'm not, I'm not, not going to be your, your best metronome. <laughs> Got it. It's good to know your limits. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So 2010, I feel like I, it's weird because that's kind of when I started coming out. So I always thought you were just sort of a staple in the scene. Um, yeah. Okay, so McGillicuddy's out in Ardmore. Uh, is that where you're originally from in that area? Yeah, I'm from Upper Darby. Okay. And we were living in Springfield, and I started hanging out in that Havertown crowd because that was like the one good jam I found around town. And, uh, you know, people like Chris Grunwald were there, and uh, Raph Goodfellow from Hezekiah Jones is there. Yep. And like just like this really unique little cross-section of really great Philly artists were coming through this like random little <laughs> bar in Ardenmore uh, because of the, the Raph connection and Raph was booking stuff for Fergie. Uh, and it was kind of like he was bringing these really amazing artists out from Philly to the Burbs in this tiny little place. And it was kind of a little, kind of a little secret almost, <laughs> you know, and once you found out, you're like, Oh, that's where it's going. And then from there you hop down to Fergie's and then you found some other spots. You got them down to the fire you know yep 
There was, so, a, there was a scene, a circuit down there. So you mentioned Hezekiah Jones. His sounds very, how would you classify it? Kind of folk rock? Yeah, definitely folk. So is... Uh, he gets into a little like folk pop now and again. But. Yeah. Is, is uh, now, now I would... I would have my own opinion as to how I would classify some of the stuff I've heard you produce, but from your own words, how would you describe your sound? Um, the Rev TJ stuff that I do is folk and blues oriented. And, uh, but I kind of get into some Latin stuff and kind of go all over the map of American folk music styles. Right. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, I just put out an album that was strictly R&B and funk as a completely different artist called Thelonious John. Uh, so that's, that's my latest work. And uh, I did that in the summer of 2020 uh, when everyone was, you know, just in their houses. That's what I was doing in my basement. <laughs> and then over the fall, I was trying to get it out before the election because it was very politically oriented. So then I produced it and released it just before the, Oh, the the election that year. Nice. Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit of in, uh, about that project? Because it, it is a departure from your traditional totally. sound. And um, maybe touch on, well, actually, before we get to that, because you've been in a number of different projects with a number of different artists in the Philadelphia area. So before yes. we get into that, let's... There was a lot leading up to becoming Thelonious John. Yeah, yes, sure. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> g- give me a little history of the okay. discography here. So there's, you know, I started performing as, you know, folk blues and guy, Reverend TJ. And then I was also in a band called A Fistful of Sugar. Yes. And I was in another band called Lover's League. And all of those acts were kind of in and out of the Philadelphia Folk Fest and Philadelphia Folk Song Society circuit there. Uh, Fistful of Sugar was with uh, Mike and Lisa Gall and Lovers League was Danny Marie and I and, you know, uh, we got also, Shannon. Yep, I was just going to yeah. say, yep. Mm-hmm. And in uh, a Fistful of Sugar, we had people like uh, Jess McDowell, who's now Jess Eckinger, and Megan Kyle, uh, we just, it was a, it was a pretty rad group. Yeah, it was a fairly large group too. Yeah, yeah, we'd have horns and strings and all sorts of people in there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about then why the departure from such a rich history in folk music to decide mm-hmm. to to record something? I mean, obviously, pandemic, I'm sure had a yeah. <laughs> had a hand in it, but boredom had a big factor in there. Sure. <laughs> But was it always, you know, is that style of music something you've always, you know, been playing around yeah, with? Yeah, so like it's it, it's just another side of my personality that I haven't really explored. And it was like, you know, I came up in this folk environment, uh, but like in high school and after high school, I was playing in rock bands and funk groups and blues bars and stuff like that with electric guitars and like really getting to be a guitar player. Uh and I had just gone so far down this this folk rabbit hole, and I guess I just wanted to do something entirely different. Yeah. So I just kind of, I just like, all right, we're not going to do folk music. We're going to do funk. We're going to do some some smooth shit and nice. some really, 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 really sexy songs is what I was after. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, I was like, 
it, it was it was you know Black Lives Matter was happening and George Floyd and I was kind of like freaking out about the election from the spring of that year. Mm-hmm. You know, we all were kind of so like I had all all of that in my mind whilst wanting to do this different kind of music. So the music that came out ended up being like a mixture of a funk and R and B and like kids songs and protest chants. <laughs> That's a unique combination. <laughs> so how yeah, did- I did a lot of ABC one, two, three type stuff and like a lot of one, two, three, four, boom, two, 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 you know, mm-hmm. chanting. Well, it's interesting because yeah, you know, Listening to your older stuff, which very clearly folk singer songwriter, and then to yeah, listen love to songs, this, you know. yeah, and to listen to this album, it reminded me of what was the instrumental album that the Beastie Boys put out? Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't remember. I think it was like four, it's called Fourteenth Street something or other. But yeah, <laughs> I know what album you're talking about. That's what it reminded me mm. because you're wow, the cool. vo- yeah the vocals there there there's a lot of they're they're kind of washed out there's a lot of verb on them yeah, there, yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely Tons of vocals i did like 20 vocals on each track and just wow like, just stack them up <laughs> let the plate wash it out <laughs> yeah it's almost like i would say it does kind of verge a little bit on the hip-hop realm a little bit it has that totally. kind of feel i was for definitely sure. leaning into some hip-hop too yeah for sure so so tell us about this track then off off this album that you want to have featured today, right? Sure. The tune is called Delete Hate. And uh, it's also the tune that we put out a video for Sammy Vile, directed video for me, uh, starring Puppet TJ. Okay, so that is, oh, so I have seen it. Okay. Yeah. That is the puppet of you. Yeah, so he's like, the puppet's walking around town and like knocking on people's doors and giving out hearts and peace signs and stuff like that, you know. but the tongue it's called delete hate so it's kind of like you know open up your heart and if you find hate in there just hit delete so the album is called the album's called um new europe blasted city new europe blasted city and what was the inspiration for the title of that album uh is the i don't know what you call it but when you replace words for another word so it's uh, another way to say neuroplasticity all right, so we're going to check out Delete, Delete Hate, Hate. Yeah, by not TJ McGlinchey, but Thelonious John. So if yes, you want to yes. look it up. Check All it right, out. check it out.
That was great. Yeah. Thank you. I'm 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 so glad you guys like the tune. It's 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 kind of a real simple tune, but it's a uh, it's very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to gets us. The message, gets the message across. You know, peace yeah. is knocking at your door. What are you gonna do? Yeah. That's the important thing, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, tell us where we can pick this up. Can we get this on all the you usual can get places? All of my stuff on Bandcamp. You can go to Bandcamp and find anything from Thelonious John or Reverend TJ, Lovers League, Fistful of Sugar, all those groups that I'm in. Um, nice. Definitely Bandcamp. Great. Otherwise, I'm on every other platform. If you prefer the iTunes or or what it, whatever it is, I'm out there. Right. So what's in the works then for either TJ or Thelonious John? Good question. So right now, Vince Tampio and I are working on a remix EP of tunes from New York, Blasted City. Uh, he sent me an instrumental version of this tune because I'm in love. He took my vocal parts out and replaced it with trumpets and such. Ooh. And it's sexy nice and i was like can you do that with like three or four more songs and we can put out a little do an instrumental instrumental ep yeah yep. yeah do a little jazzy remixes it's gonna be really nice yeah that's super cool and mm. and and again it's it's just broadening your horizons a little bit right it's something completely yeah. different than what you've done totally and on on that tip i'm doing some other couple things like uh i'm working on this this uh punk hardcore metal band for kids <laughs> it's a kids okay. group we play kids songs but we, we play them we rock them we rock them out it's like a punk rock group you know so we're called the pun crocs the pun crocs so yeah. what and then what's the intention with this project um you know to play kids concerts you know we basically play like raffy songs only like really hard <laughs> <laughs> I'm here then, for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm picturing on. the merch here. I would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna have these these black Crocs on with like big punk rock spikes coming out of them and stuff, and like mohawks and shit. It's gonna be great. That's oh, really they're gonna cool. love. That. And I, I've kind of tested out the theory, like at some of my my classes. I teach at uh, at settlement. I teach these little tiny baby classes, and we do like you know wheels on the bus, like wheels on the bus, and the kids are like yeah, into it intense it's awesome kids look kids forward to, to, to that to that class right like <laughs> yeah yeah totally that's awesome so what what just out of curiosity what age group are you working with i work with uh a one to three year old class and a three to six year old class and i'm also a classroom teacher so i would teach k through eight or k through 12 where needed nice that's really cool and a uh, little bird told me that there's a, a an actual muppet tribute show coming up in april right there is April 23rd, mm -hmm. the Saturday before Easter at World Cafe Live, right? At World Cafe Live. We're going it was postponed. It was our Christmas show or you know, winter holiday show. Uh we're still going to play some Christmas songs. <laughs> Christmas in April. Yeah, that's you right. Know, hey, why not? That's the Muppets, you know. Yeah. I don't think anybody will mind. I don't think anybody. Close will enough to a holiday, it's fine. <laughs> you know, we'll be playing all 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 the all the Muppet classic tunes and We'll have some puppets. They have an MC with a puppet named Perry who's going to be hosting the show. And it's going to be a real fun time. Very cool. cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you so much for taking Thanks, the time yeah, to chat with us, to share your music. Um, this was fun. Yeah, totally, man. Nice to see you both. Right? <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. It's good, it's good to socialize a bit here. <laughs> 
It's healthy. This is what we're doing. Yes. This is how we're doing it these days. <laughs> That's <it>. right. <laughs> well, Reverend TJ Thelonious John, again, thank you for joining us today. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Mary Angela. Nice to see you both. Yep. Bye. Enjoy your day. All right. Cheers.